Hello, and welcome to the Cars Unfiltered podcast episode 11, I think. Uh, today is Tuesday, December 19th, and we're like five days away from Christmas. So, first of all, I wanted to say, I wanted to get, say sorry, basically, that uh, we didn't have an episode on Monday. Um, Mike and Adam and I have been uh, just super busy with the holidays, and we just kind of didn't have time or energy or whatever excuse you want to throw in there in order to get one out. So this is kind of a uh, kind of a little micro episode today. Um, we're gonna well, I it's just me today, so I'm going to give a little updates, um, some news that's happening in the industry, and then uh, Mike and Adam and I are going to try and record a Christmas special podcast actually um that should be coming out very soon faraday future and they're apparently not doing very good which we'll talk a little bit more about here soon and also aston martin and ferrari so kind of a supercar day today i guess it would turn out to be so yeah Let's start out with Aston Martin, since we're kind of going into the holiday season and gift-giving, and yeah, I'm not saying, you know, give the gift of a DB11, but if you can do that, um, message me directly, I'll give you my address, and uh, you can ship away. So, Aston Martin is actually looking at doing uh, an initial public offering for their company, so that means that at some point here soon you might be able to actually buy Aston Martin stock which works out great for me because Aston Martin has been voted the coolest brand and for you know I don't remember how many years in a row but uh, since I can't afford an Aston Martin maybe I can get a share of their stock and that will make me cool maybe no maybe I don't know it might be worth a shot anyway so yeah um, one of the interesting things about this potential IPO is that um, it's kind of uh, it, it's kind of weird to me actually because I follow the stock market fairly closely and Aston Martin has kind of continually not been profitable. So one of the things that um, if you're not super familiar with the stock market, one of the things that makes stocks really work is when your company is actually profitable. And uh, yeah, if your company's not profitable, then your stock doesn't tend to be worth very much after a while. And when you go public in an initial public offering, you have to kind of turn over and make public all of your financial records. So it's very difficult to, uh, well, okay, difficult is kind of a relative term, but it'll be a lot easier to see how Aston Martin is doing financially. So I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Ferrari took their company public, um, was it last year or early this year? And uh, it's actually been doing fairly well. Um, Ferrari though has a gigantic um, uh, merchandising side, and the F1 stuff for Ferrari is huge. So, um, which Aston Martin has some of that too. But uh, I think maybe they're doing this kind of based off of the success of the DB11. Um, that I think they've sold a lot of DB11s and uh, a lot of their newer cars. The last time I looked, I think we mentioned it on here. Aston Martin doesn't have a single vehicle for sale right now that goes under that has a top speed of under 200 miles an hour if I somebody fact check me uh, and let me know but I'm pretty sure if you buy a new Aston Martin 
it goes 200 miles an hour. So that's cool. Um, we'll see see how they do. That could be cool. Um, the next thing is the Ferrari 488 GTO potentially. Um, Autoblog released some spy shots of that, and I'm a fan of the 458 Italia, and uh, even like the 430, honestly. And um, the 488 looks great. It does have. Uh, it's the first in that line of Ferraris to go the um, uh, not naturally aspirated route, so it's a turboed car. And yeah, it's interesting that they're going to do a GTO version of it. It looks good. I mean, the spy shots look good, even though it's got some camel on it. Um, the front looks a little bit more aggressive, the front bumper. And then the back, um, something that, I mean, that looks a little bit different to me. It's hard to tell with the camo tape, but the back definitely looks a little bit more aggressive and it looks pretty good. Um, yeah, the GTO version of Ferraris or trim or however you want to put it, uh, that's kind of a, a throwback to the race cars. Um, the original Grand Touring, I'm going to mess this word up, Ogolomato, um, Omologato, which apparently is Italian for Grand Touring Homologated. Homologate? Okay. It's not Wikipedia. You can go figure out what that means. Um, but yeah, basically, it's their race cars from back in like 1962 and 1964. Uh, a lot of people are kind of touchy about the GTO badge because, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a holy trademark. But yeah, we'll see. The 488 is basically it's going to be a 488, but that's a little bit harsher, a little bit faster, and um, probably louder, I would imagine. And yeah, we'll see kind of uh, kind of what happens with that too. I don't know how I feel about Ferrari kind of throwing around the GTO badge, but um, I think one of the previous the previous time that they used it was the 599, and that car, although cool, I mean you know for my standards, I drive a you know 2012 Mustang V6, so you know a Ferrari 599 is pretty amazing. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of weird to me that like that's kind of a a, man, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's kind of a boat of a car, I think. Um, and to call it a GTO, to me, seems kind of weird. So, yeah. It was also, too, like the 599, I believe, was one of the, the you know, one of the major evolutionary jumps in Ferrari for electronics um, as far as, like, you know, driving characteristics and stability and traction control and everything. So, uh, maybe the 488 is going to demonstrate some kind of crazy, the 488 GTO is going to, may demonstrate some kind of crazy leap in technology, but I kind of doubt it. The 488 is pretty advanced. Um, and as far as, you know, like traction, um, I think like, honestly, as far as traction goes, I personally think that Rimac is probably the leader. Um, or if, if they're not, they soon will be the leader in putting down, horsepower to the ground um they learned they probably learned a lot from richard hammond's uh you know slide off the mountainside over there so you know with that kind of you know research uh information that they have access to it uh it might be interesting so moving on to topic number three faraday you guys remember faraday yeah i vaguely kind of remember no i'm just kidding they so Faraday was it was really cool. Uh, Faraday kind of burst on the scene a couple years ago, 
and at a time when Tesla was the only real electric game in town that was, you know, getting pressed. And Faraday came out and they basically like waved a giant checkbook and said, we're coming after you, Tesla. So since then, um, yeah, they're not doing so good. I know you probably haven't heard about them in the news very much. Um, apparently, I think, I, what was it, six or eight months ago, um, it was kind of in the news that they were having financial troubles. And now it appears to be even worse. Um, TheVerge.com has an article from a few days ago uh, that goes into really deep, um, deep detail into the situation there. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes, and uh, it's definitely worth a read. Uh, it's titled, what's it titled here? Faraday Future Investigation, Money, Debt, Finances. Um, oh, Inside Faraday Futures Financial House of Cards. So, um, so like right now, Fair, Faraday Future is looking for a Series A round of funding before the end of the year, which is only, you know, like 11 days from now. And they're supposed to get a billion dollars uh, from something in China. Um, there's a bunch of companies listed here, and I kind of read it fast, so I'll probably mess it up if I say which one. But they apparently China has kind of uh, their China funding side has kind of cooled off a little bit. Um, and then also they're saying in the article that employees aren't even showing up to work anymore, uh, which is not a good sign. Uh, they also kind of go into some detail about how money flowed at the company and the way that they make it sound, um, which again, like as is like third hand, I guess, really for me, right? The Verge talked to some anonymous employees or employees that want to remain anonymous and then, you know, I'm reading their article. But um, the employees were saying that when money and funding came in, it was almost immediately spent. And some of the examples they gave is that um, Faraday bought $7 million, you know, mansions for their executives and stuff to stay in. They snipe some people from, you know, kind of companies everywhere. And so this is, you know, kind of their alternative to buying, uh, to having these executives stay in hotels and stuff while they're, you know, while they're working, which is expensive. Staying in hotels is definitely expensive. So if you have the money, you know, buying a $7 million house and then, you know, potentially selling it at a profit might be a better idea. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, really, it's just kind of weird. So they are, um, you know, they actually they have one of their cars in uh, Transformers Five, and you know they're kind of like pushing ahead. But even even that apparently, they have some unpaid bill, um, you know, in doing in putting their FF ninety one, so in in Transformers. So they they're just they're having a lot of problems, um, and I th I think just you know kind of getting a, a gist for the direction that things have gone for this company but I think that even if they did get a cash infusion before the end of the year that they have a, the, the tremendous hurdles to overcome um, you know they had a big checkbook and they thought that they could solve a lot of these problems with money and this is kind of a classic in my opinion kind of a classic case where it you know money doesn't solve everything um, you know, they even hired, even talent doesn't solve everything. You know, they hired some of the most talented people in the industry. And if you 
if you don't have focus and you don't have, you know, a, I, the word I like to use for this is a vector, you have to have, your company has to have a vector. And, you know, you can have money, talent, um, hype, um, you know, a good idea even. But if you don't have a vector that you can, that everybody in your company can march towards in order to achieve, you know, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, then what happens is disarray. And to me, that's kind of what it looks like has happened here. So, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, the only way that I think that they could come back is a if they were acquired and b if they like got some kind of money under the terms of we're basically going to start over um and just like shrink everything back and try and focus back on the product and if they did that maybe they'd have a chance but i mean that's you're you're asking a lot there's a lot of egos at this point right like you have people built up you know people used to spending millions of dollars and it's uh it would not be an easy um, mentality to overcome. So, so yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but we'll be keeping an eye on that for you as the end of the year approaches, and we'll let you know what happens to Faraday for sure. So yeah, that's pretty much uh, what I have for today. Um, we're going to try and Mike and Adam and I are gonna try and do a Christmas special podcast episode here coming up very soon. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Check out carsunfiltered.com and our Instagram, carsunfiltered, and Twitter and Facebook, all the things. And have a happy, uh, have a happy holiday. And uh, we're looking forward to doing some really cool stuff in the new year. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.